Welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. You should know that this episode was also recorded in video and can be watched on our website at theundrapedartist.com and also on YouTube at the Undraped Artist Podcast. Also, check out our show notes to learn more about today's guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Christina Weaver, welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. Hi, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So you don't know this, but you are the first guest that I have on the show that I discovered because of the show. <laughs> so every other guest before you- I sent you, you a message. What's that? I'd sent you a message, right? Yeah, on, I, or on something. Instagram. I can't remember, but I just remember thinking like, yeah, I just remember learning about you because of the show. So this is great. I mean, there are more on the list, but you are number one. And so, in fact, I didn't think it, I, I didn't think it was you. I thought someone else suggested you, but I could be wrong. But I felt like someone sent me a message and said, you have to check out Christina Weaver's work, but um, I could be wrong about oh, that. Geez. Yeah, yeah. But your work is incredible. So I'm really excited to pick your brain and learn more about you. So that said, tell Thanks, me a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, yeah, first off, though, I just wanted to say how generous it is that that you do this. This is such an amazing resource for, you know, other artists and your listeners. And I'm just like amazed as a professional artist and um like educator and you're a parent too right that yeah, you like find yeah. the time to <laughs> yeah that's like a that's a huge commitment but it, yeah yeah so thank oh, you i appreciate for that. that i appreciate that well i wouldn't do it if i didn't love it so it's worth it so yeah but yeah a little bit of um background so um do you want me to start with like education or no, really go, early go on back early on tell me like how you grew up where you grew up you know, when your art interest started? Sure, yeah. So I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. And in my home, um, you know, art was always present. My parents were in two creative fields. My father is a research scientist and my mom is a pianist and piano hmm. teacher. And both of them have always had an appreciation for the visual arts and um, my, at home, there was always kind of like a, an abundance of visual material. We had art books sitting around and um, we regularly took trips to museum to see shows. And, um, you know, my parents were really good at signing me up for art classes and that sort of thing. So I was fortunate to have kind of the time and the, the space and the resources um, early on to kind of to, to get into to the arts. Um, and I would say that my um, my grandmother also played a big role um, in uh, my kind of journey as an artist, she uh, uh, would send these kind of boxes regularly of really um, beautiful art supplies, you know, when I was a kid. And they weren't just like kid um, supplies. They were like professional, you know, colored pencils and really high quality paper and like even oil paint. Um, and so that was that was encouraging. And again, that just kind of gave me the the resources to just play and discover. 
Hmm. Uh, and then um, I think so, I made my first. Sec, though. So did they do this because you showed interest in art or did they do this because they were interested in art? Um, gosh, it's hard to say. I think I think it was more of the the former. And I don't know, you know, where where really that interest came from. I mean, I've always, you know, I've always drawn like I remember at family reunions. I remember doing like these sketches of all my family members when I was like, <laughs> you know, seven, eight years old. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, I mean, those things kind of like fed each other, of course, like they saw I had this spark and then the, you know, the art materials started coming in and started taking the classes and I got interest and then, you know, there. So, um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, and then, yeah, I think like the first time I made a like real painting was probably like the seventh grade. I made this like hideous, like painting of a, of like a, like a sun with a face on it or something. Yeah, I mean, like... it was like really, yeah, yeah. Um, but just like, that was my first experience with really doing paint on canvas, I think. Um, and then my high school education was basically non-existent. Like, you know, the, the painting students were kind of thrown in with the photography students. It was like me and this other girl in AP art, and we were given like oil paint and, um, some like canvas to stretch and work on. And then we could just kind of do whatever we wanted. So huh. that gave me just like, you know, an introduction to the stuff and the materials, but there really just wasn't any guidance there. Um, uh, my, and I had, when I was a senior, I had a boyfriend who went to the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. And I actually followed him up there. So I just thought, oh, okay, he went to art school. That's like a normal thing to do. Like, <laughs> so I applied and, and, and got in and ended up there. And it, it wasn't the right, uh, it wasn't the right program for me. Um, it was, there is kind of a, a core at MICA of kind of like traditional drawing techniques and skill-based work in, in some sense, you know, I'm thinking about the artists, like there's the artist Mark Carnes there. And I had a great drawing teacher, Lynn Palowicz, who kind of taught me the basics of um, like charcoal drawing and representation. But, you know, in foundation year, they were asking us to, um, you know, like make a sketchbook where you depict your dreams and that sort of thing. And it was just like, okay, let's sit around like, I do not have the skills to do this stuff. Um, and I was kind of in completely over my head. I was this like suburban kid, um, you know, out of Alabama, going to the big city. And um, I, I was intimidated. Um, like all my classmates were, you know, from magnet schools and they'd already all like painted the nude figure. And I was just completely, you know, clueless. And so I ended up um, transferring um, after. I left Micah, I actually thought I was kind of done with art. I thought, okay, really? that's not for me. I had this professor who said, if you're not, you know, drawing or thinking about drawing every second of every day, then you shouldn't be doing this. And I really was impressionable wow. and I really, you know, it was just so intimidating to me. And um, so I thought I was done. And I started looking into university programs for like anthropology and some other fields. And I had remembered a 
um, conversation that I'd had with one of my writing professors at MICA. Um, and he had mentioned a little school called the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts in Philadelphia. And I'd never heard about it before then. Um, but it sounded like kind of this ideal, um, you know, situation for, for, you know, what I was looking for. I heard that there was emphasis on technique. And so just on a whim, I thought about that conversation and I, and I, I, I kind of looked up the, the school online or, or I don't know, did some research and my dad took me up there to Philadelphia to visit. And the second I stepped into that cast hall, um, and I saw the life-size replica of the David and the winged victory and, um, it just, I knew right away that that's, that's what I was looking for and that's where I wanted to be. So, um, I ended up sticking with painting and transferred there and, um, let's see. Uh, so wasn't that sort of a modernist program too, though? Yeah. So I, I think that Papa does, it has kind of a facade of being a very, like a kind of European atelier type school. And there certainly are aspects of that. And it, it might be a little different, you know, since I was there, I know they've expanded their um, BFA program a little bit, but when I was there, you know, you did these two kind of core years of figure drawing and painting and like cast drawing, and, you know, you're working with traditional materials and genres. And then the second half was almost kind of like a, you know, like a graduate school program or something where you had your own studio and you're kind of diving into ideas and using the skills that you gain to kind of um, see those through. So for me, it was kind of like the, you know, the best of both worlds. Um, I learned how to paint and draw and then I was able to have some freedom. So, yes, I think um, if that answers your question, yeah. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, we've had several other guests go there. One was um, Justin Wood and then uh, Carlo Russo, and they were both totally enamored with the cast hall. Well, that cast hall apparently is a real draw <laughs> for people because <laughs> everyone's this just like, oh. I think they like take you there first on the tour. They know. Yeah. They know. Also, you know, they, bo I, they both expressed that it was like, well, the cast hall, like as you put it, was kind of a facade. It was like, it, it was like yeah. a relic from the past. And now they've kind of moved past that yeah. stuff and they're doing more contemporary modern work but i'm glad you got a positive yeah, you had yeah. a positive experience there i did i loved my time there i worked with um you know like peter van dyke and carolyn pyfrom and um, scott noel were a few of my professors that really left an impression and i feel like you know the way they they taught um light and color and shape i mean those those ideas are still really core in my uh, studio you know, practice and in the way I teach. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I have a question going way back to what uh -huh. you had said earlier that that teacher had said to you that if you don't think about drawing all the time, you shouldn't be an artist. Well, a two part question. One, how did you overcome that? How did you get past that feeling of discouragement because you weren't, you know, thinking about it all the time? Yeah. And then I'll give you um, a question after you answer me that. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, just, just having time and space away, you know, I took a, I took a year off and between, um, you know, Micah and Papa and, um, did a little bit of traveling and I think, I don't know, just getting distance on it, maybe just allowed me to step back and I don't know, take it with a grain of salt. I don't know. It's a good question. 
I mean, did you decide this um, this teacher was wrong or did you just decide you're doing it either way? I think I just decided that that's one, one way of, okay. of looking at things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And my follow-up question is this, because that really struck a chord with me because I had a teacher when I was in college um, say something similar to me. I went to the teacher and I asked the teacher, do I, do you think I have what it takes to make it in this field? And, yeah. um, and you know, cause I mean, what student isn't concerned about that? Every student's worried about that. Right. And, uh, he said, well, if you've asked me that question, you don't have the confidence to make it. You should give it up. <laughs> yeah. That's such a, it's such a power move. Like, I don't I, know. I, I don't know what, I don't know if he was trying to be helpful or not, but, but, um, you know, cause I've talked to a lot of artists, a lot of teachers and their philosophy has warned every student in advance that this is impossible or brutal, yeah. a brutal path. My, yeah. my approach has always been encourage every student, tell them that they have the potential. And because frankly, I believe it. And then if they fail, but, 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 you know, if they fail, there's always other options. Right. But sure. and I'm just curious, since you've experienced that, like I have where a teacher's like, no, you shouldn't be doing this for X. What is your approach yeah. with your students? I mean, do you tell students, Hey, you can do this thing. Or are you like, don't do, do it. It's terrible. I'm much, more, I'm much more of the nurturing type uh, of teacher and educator. Um, and I, and like you, I really genuine, genuinely believe it. Like, I mean, I tell them this is going to be a massive amount of work, but I yeah. really do believe that if you, if you put your time in, you can make it. It's just, a, for me, it's really just a matter of like continuing to make things. Like I know so many awesome painters that I went to school with who just, they just kind of fizzled out, you know, they just don't make stuff anymore. And part of it is just, it doesn't even have to be great. It's just a matter of just continuing and continuing and not, you know, every second of every day in your sketchbook, like my, yeah. <laughs> my teacher said, just kind of semi-regularly, like just, um, just making things. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I appreciate your input on that. Cause I often think about that. Cause you know, I've had students graduate. Most of my students who've graduated have gone on to be painters. But, yeah. but, but they express Great. struggle and I'm like, should I be telling people to do this? You know, because some of them do yeah. struggle and yeah. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? What am I sending them down this terrible path? Um, yeah. but you know, it's a, it, anyway, it's something I'm constantly thinking about. Many don't struggle, but some do, you know, um, and it's hard to know whether to encourage or discourage, but I've chosen the former. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm also, I probably like shy away from real life discussions. You know, I, I also teach mostly foundations and yeah. um, I do teach recently, I've started teaching workshops, but so those are two scenarios where, you know, I'm not necessarily dealing with like students who are in art degrees. Right. And so a right. lot of them are just kind of take at least college setting. They're taking, you know, my, my courses is just like to fulfill a credit or whatever. Um, so I don't really have to have that conversation with most of them. Oh, that's, <laughs> but, that's nice. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you went to college, um, and then what happened after school? So after half a, I, um, went to Indiana university, Bloomington, I got a stipend to teach there. 
Um, I was kind of on the fence about whether I was going to go to grad school or not. And it was like, okay, if I don't get a, you know, a good scholarship, like basically it's, I'm just going to kind of blow that off. That's not going to work for me. Um, you know, I didn't know for sure that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and my um, draw for graduate school was actually not teaching. It was just the continuation of my craft and being able to have that time and space to create. Um, but I did um, end up going to Indiana University for two years. Um, and then I, let's see, right after that, I was an artist in residence at uh, the Ma Manifest Gallery in Cincinnati. Are you familiar with that gallery? I'm not, no. No? Um, yeah, so that was a, a residency with a studio. Um, and I thought that was a really excellent kind of like transition from um, grad school into, you know, into the real world um, and into kind of making my way. Uh, so how does that work? The community and. Do they contact you? You mean the residency? Yeah. How does that work? I have heard to a peer in my grad program um, who had done the residency about it. And he was just like, hey, you should apply. And I gave it a shot. Um, yeah, so it was just word of mouth. So do they pr they provide you a studio, as you said, and then do they also show your mm -hmm. work? Yeah, so there is a, a solo exhibition, too, at the end. So I was there actually with another artist in residence who I went to graduate school with, which was really helpful, too, to make that transition. So the painter Taylor Woolwine and I were there um, together at the same time, and it was really fun. You know, we're, we're good friends, so... That, that made it easier. Um, and then, yeah, we had like exhibitions at the end, studio for a year, exhibit at the end. Mm -hmm. And then did you continue a relationship with them at that point or did you move on and go to another gallery? Um, I have shown with them from time to time. They do like juried exhibitions that are like open call. And I also do some jury work for them too from, from time to time. Um, yeah. Okay. So what was your next professional move then after that residency? Let's see, after that, uh, there weren't many professional moves for a little bit. Oh, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, I went back home to Alabama with my fiance and we lived with my brother for a little while and, you know, we're just kind of making ends meet down there, like working retail and doing that kind of thing. and. Um, you know, I was still painting. I had a studio at like, it was like a big like warehouse complex for artists where you could rent a space and I had a studio there. Um, and, uh, let's see. And then we kind of, gosh, I'm trying to remember. And then, so <laughs> then I don't know the, the world, there was kind of, um, let's see, how do I put this? There was a lot of kind of like turmoil in the world and, you know, my, my I'm really close to my family and mm -hmm. we all had this feeling that, I don't know, I think we all got a little bit apocalyptic mm -hmm. <laughs> around year, like, I don't know, around year 2019, 2020. And, yeah, so was the um, rest of the planet. <laughs> the rest of us. And um, they ended up buying some land uh, in North Carolina and had this kind of vision of like a family compound. Okay, no, thing. you were, <laughs> that was more apocalyptic than most. <laughs> it, was, it was really apocalyptic. So 
the vision was we were all just like probably going to move here and just kind of escape from the world. And so my husband and I ended up there here. And that's where I am now. And we both have studio spaces here. We live in a little like um, fixer upper rancher on the property. Um, and they've got their own little um, spot that they they come and stay in when they're here. So I don't know. That's where we're at at that the That sounds kind um, of amazing, though. That kind of worked out. It's, it's a beautiful place to live. And, you know, we're we're really to to have this. Especially again, like over the past few years with like COVID and everything, we've had a lot of um, kind of freedom with outdoor space, and certainly that's influenced the painting too. And yeah, ways. so so your husband yeah. has a studio too. So your husband's an artist as well. He is. His name is uh, Nathan Perry, and he actually grew up in Salt Lake City. And you are where are you now? I'm right downtown, you... right on 700 yeah. South in Maine. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, he grew up in in Salt Lake. Um, so you gotta, you <laughs> I gotta look him up. <laughs> yeah. His name sounds from vaguely familiar, but I'm not sure if I'm just sort of Nathan manufacturing. Perry. Yeah, I'll send I'll send you his um, info and like Instagram. Holy cow! And, small uh, world. Yeah, yeah. So we met at graduate school. Okay. Um, at IU. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's um let's talk a little bit about your work. You said that this this uh, new natural environment kind of influenced your work, and uh, let's see, let's go to your actual go to your website first. Um, I just love your your uh, flowers and plants, and I mean your what do you call it still life natural world kind of paintings it's not sure yeah i don't know what, what do you call it yeah <laughs> yeah so is that is that absolutely how this thing evolved that you moved into nature and started painting nature were you already tinkering with that before you ended up in was it north carolina you said no it was it was like a hard break really um yeah so we moved here and again, we just kind of been bouncing around and I, you know, my paintings were very much interior, highly controlled studio work. I was doing those like fabric slash landscape type paintings where that you scrolled over at the bottom of that page. Okay. Um, and that was a body of work that started in graduate school and was just kind of continuing wherever I went. I was like, again, like kind of painstakingly setting up these still lives of craft supplies, basically. Um, and they became more and more landscape-like. And a couple years after we moved here, I was preparing a show of that body of work. Um, and I already knew like those paintings were starting to feel a little bit tired. Uh, and, you know, my husband actually was painting outside at the time. And I had a, French easel that was like packed up in the corner of my studio. And I was, I was finishing up that show of those still life paintings. Um, I kind of looked at him out there and I looked at this landscape that I was trying to basically create with fabric inside. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing here? I looked out the window, there were like actual rolling hills and fields and mountains. And it, I took my easel outside and I never really looked back. Wow. No um, kidding. Isn't that yeah. funny how our environment kind of defines us on some level? So, all right, so I'm going to pull up your it plain does. air paintings then. 
And so these are not, you said that you saw mountains and stuff outside, but you're zooming in. You're not painting the mountains usually. Yes. You're, you're getting yes, right. Yes, I have a friend. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say you're getting real close to nature. Yeah, I mean, I have a handful of landscape paintings and I actually kind of started out doing more long view um, landscapes. There might be like a few at the bottom of that page there. Um, but then I did mm. make that transition to small things and looking up close and that kind of like micro macro plant world stuff. Um, and I think part of that was the birth of my son. So, <laughs> um, you know, when you are spending time with a little kid, and I actually heard uh, Beth Ann say this on her recent episode that, you know, you guys did, um, that when you have a little kid, you're constantly looking down and you're looking down at the ground and you're slowing down and you're seeing small things. Mm. And, um, my son, I'm getting a little sentimental here, but like my son used to like grab a huge bouquet of dandelions and he'd hold it up to his nose like he was, you know, like smelling. They don't smell really like anything, but he would pretend like he was smelling and he had this little like yellow glow like <laughs> under his nose. It became this like symbol of summer, like whenever Ellis had that yellow on his upper lip, it meant it was summertime to me. Um but yeah, just through things like that, um, I started looking more closely on the small scale um, at nature. And yeah, and I think that 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 actually played a big part in that transition um, wow. to thinking small and looking. And how many kids do you have? You just the one? Just the one. And yeah. how old is he now? He's five now. That's awesome. So in your work, one thing that really drew me to it is your brush strokes and it's particularly i see it in some of your landscapes like this one the way you handle the barn um this uh -huh. one the way you handle the leaves there's this uh, uh -huh. this one's really cool they're all really cool but this, um but then you really start to accentuate that and let me say how can i put it into words for those who are listening it's like a, a very deliberate hard-edged almost graphic quality to your brushwork and it's yeah. really beautiful and really really interesting is that something that evolved well let me rephrase that how did that evolve in your work yeah um so i i think that the work that I am drawn to and the artists that I look at and the ones that resonate with me, they all have a clarity of shape um, and kind of like a strength of shape and edge in, in their work, the ones I look at the most often. And I don't know, I think maybe it's like, um, maybe I was actually drawn to the flowers as a means to play with those sorts of edges and shapes in my work. Mm, I wondered um, that you because know, it really did evolve with your still lifes or not still lifes. Your, yeah, I, your I, outdoor, they, they're kind of like outdoor still lifes, aren't they? <laughs> right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah the, the outdoor paintings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that is how I see these subjects. It's kind of like this, this vehicle for just exploring those formal elements. 
gifts. And um, I think maybe with the fabric paintings, everything seemed kind of like softer and I don't know what it was. I think I, I, I was like craving um, that, that strength. Again, like in the, the artists that I love and look at, um, they all kind of have that in common. I don't know exactly like where mm. that comes from. Um, but I do think, yeah, that that maybe that's where these that's why I kind of dove into doing these subjects. It's because they lend themselves to to that clarity. Um, I don't know if that's a good answer to your question or not. But <laughs> well, it's it's probably even as I was asking it, oh, sometimes these questions are unanswerable. But I, I thought that was a great answer. But, you know, it's like if okay. you're it, sometimes if it seems like you don't even know how things evolve, they just sort of show up. Right. Yeah, um, yeah okay. absolutely. So one question I have about some of your work, particularly this one that stands out to me, there's something about it that stands out to me. And that is you might some people might say you're breaking the rules of oil painting in this painting in that you're you've got your lights that are very thin and transparent and then you've got some really opaque darks right next to them which i think is yeah. really cool i mean rules are meant to be broken right but i mean yeah. tell, tell me about I'm, your thought I'm process so there glad. how deliberate are some of these decisions oh man i'm so glad you brought that up. i could just like nerd out on this stuff so like do all it. day long go for it <laughs> stuff. like um so I find, and I, I, I do it both ways, but I have kind of found a, a language kind of for doing, um, you know, co bright colors and um, the kind of luminosity that you see in these subjects, particularly, you know, in the flower parts. Like when I try to lay opaque lights on top of darks, like there, I mean, that can be a beautiful thing, but for me, there's just the luminosity's lost. I'm definitely kind of in the impressionist camp now of like painting on the white canvas and letting it kind of glow through. So yes, in this painting, basically the way I structured this was like, I would like just scrub in areas of yellow and then just kind of like carved out all the negative shapes around. And the white of the canvas coming through again, just like created a glow that that I knew I'd be able to get that way, and I couldn't get you know any way else. But yeah, that's right. Like all those yellow areas are just super transparent. Yeah, hmm. and then everything else is kind of opaque. Yeah, and you're really opaque. exploiting the because I mean, transparent paint is much more chromatic than opaque paint, and it seems yeah. like you're exploiting that with that. Yeah, I, I think paint. it's more of like. It's kind of like, yeah, a reversal, right, completely in that that thinking rather than yeah, laying in all the darks. Like I've had so many students ask, like, right, they ask that question, like, what about that 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 correct process of, you right. know, like putting down the darks and laying the lights on? Like, I don't know. This is just kind of how I do it. And this is how I've developed it over time. And it seems to work. Yeah. Um, especially for this. But, and it's not everywhere. I mean, it's almost like you don't, you're not practicing the rule one way or the other because then there are other areas that are very transparent darks um yeah it's like you're and then of course the painting next to it which is a little more it feels have a little more study like but it's almost entirely opaque. and that one was yeah and that one um was much earlier too that was actually the first standalone painting i did oh so that's mm -hmm. the evolution right there yeah 
Yeah, no that's kidding. really cool. I didn't realize. This. Yeah, that's great. That's I'm glad we stumbled on that. So, okay. So here's another example. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing it again right here. These transparent stems. Yeah. Right through here. Yeah, that's Absolutely. really cool. Okay. So <laughs> you obviously know these so-called rules. I have to put that for those who are listening. I keep on doing the finger quotes because it, it, again, I'm a believer that the rules are important to know so that you can break them, you know, if, if you need to, but, um, you obviously know about these things. So, um, was it, is it, is it scary? That sounds so stupid, but when you make no, a decision like this to break the rules, are you just like, wait, am I allowed to do this? It's not, it's not scary. It's, um, it's thrilling. Is it? Um, and it, I, I don't know. It's, it's also ne like necessary. Yeah. Um, again, this is like, you were just looking at those two dandelion paintings together in that evolution. And it's, um, I've just developed over time, just through trial and error, this method of finding luminosity, um, in, in the subjects by using transparency. And, um, hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting where my, my mind was going on that thought, but well, I asked you if it was um, scary to go against tradition with oil paint, if you were yeah, hesitant I mean, at and, all. And well, the thing is too, like I'm thinking back to my education and even though I am certainly aware of that very traditional, like working transparent, dark and building up the light so opaquely, I wasn't actually trained that way. Um, hmm. at, you know, like I'm thinking back to PAFA and again, my teacher, Peter Van Dyke, it was all very much, um, it was very much shape, shape based and kind of building the painting up opaquely, you know, just like putting one shape and piece of paint right next to the, you know, the next one on a white canvas, kind of scrubbing it all in, in one layer and then doing like, you know, another opaque layer on top of that. Um, so I didn't actually learn that way. And I think that if I had been trained that way by my professors, I might be a little more hesitant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience when, when I was in school, my program was sort of mixed as well. There were a couple of realists in the beginning and then they all ended up, they actually sort of got forced out and we, we, they, the, the program became modern in the last couple of years. Um, completely. It was partially, and then it became completely, but my teachers, none of my teachers were really into materials so much. It was like you said, it was more about picture making and it could have been, yeah. you could have been painting with, with paint or blood or mud or anything. And it was all the same to yeah. them. Right. And I think on some level that was kind of liberating because like you're not bound by any rules. Right. Sure. Yeah, at least, I mean, I ended up being, uh, moving definitely toward more tradition in, on my own, but I love how you've, you know, taken your, your history in school and it really pushed it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't know, I'm glad you mentioned your program. I was very interested to hear, yeah, like the nature of your, your program you went to and your education in college and yeah. Yeah. I had some great teachers and then some, I'm not, not that modernism is bad. I love modernism, but I wasn't interested in learning yeah. it. I wanted to learn how to paint, you know? Sure. Um, right. Right. 
Okay, so, oh God, again, here's another one that's just so, uh, okay, so tell me about these two. I was going to just okay, tell so you like how you much I love this, this painting here. Um, and then, but oh, then I saw the, the bottom of this one. Yeah. Then I saw the bottom of this one and there's a different feel to these two is, is this one is more layered, almost more scumbly. And this one is more, much more graphic and direct. Is that just two different days, two different moods? Or is that, a, is that your evolution? You know, I, I think it is partly that, um, one thing I'm thinking about the actual, um, change in the subject as I was painting these, you know, both of these paintings were made over time. Mm -hmm. And I think the one on the top, the goldenrod one with the ch chunkier paint, yeah, um, that was moving so much that subject that, you know, every time I went to, to work on that painting, um, I, you know, I was painting something new. And so it could just be that you're seeing just like layers of paint building that kind of like chunkiness and thickness um, versus the sunflower where there was a little bit more stability in the, you know, actual physical like placement of the subject. So I'm seeing a struggle in the top painting is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you're seeing, yeah, the kind of creations um, of the experience there. Well, I, I think too, you know, these are two slightly different scales. The sunflower also is larger. So there could be something too, just about the actual like stretching, you know, the physical paint where I just maybe just wasn't using as much paint or something like that too. Um, two slightly different scales. Yeah. 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 These are gorgeous. So, um, okay. We're all set. All right. So. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you set up for a painting. Um, and because I'm just dipping my toe in landscape painting, and I've said this to many of my guests, but it's really always on my mind. Um, how do you, when you go out in the morning and you want to start a painting, how do you decide where to stop? I mean, the world is, especially on your micro scale that you're working on, it's just chaos. Like, how do you decide yeah, what to paint, paint and when to, where to paint? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I do not think about it very much. If I, if I think about it, then I won't ever commit to anything. It's like, I go out and I just, and I hunt. I just like, look, start looking. I look up, I look down, I look everywhere. And then I just, the first thing that grabs me, I'm like, oh, that's it for today. And you know, because there's just not, there's no time to think about it either. By the time, you know, you've gone, you set up, it's, it could be gone. You know, the light's going to be different. The, you know, the conditions are going to be completely different. And so I just, it's very like kind of intuitive and I don't think about it much, whatever grabs me. It's usually just like, you know, a series of shapes or a color interaction um, or something of that nature. Hmm. So have <laughs> you kind of adopted an attitude, you know, that you are just going to go for it. If you have to throw this one away, no big deal. Yeah, really. That's exactly what it. That's exactly what it is. And you know, I think it's just like so different from how I used to work, where every painting was such a time sink, and it was just so, so precious. And now, you know, it's there. These paintings are kind of like quick and dirty. You know, it's like you got get out there. They're like one shot or two shot for these little guys, and um, you know, yeah. I find that just like the more I do it, the less the less precious they become. So like, you know, if I make a bad one, it's like one of 
a hundred versus one of 10, you know, and um, it's less tragic. Right. So yeah. That very must gut be reaction. so liberating. Exactly the word. It is completely freeing. Yeah. 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 That is amazing. Um, so what about, what are you doing in the winter? How are you staying busy all year round if you're doing all this stuff from life and from nature? Yeah. So, um, I am a wuss when it comes to the cold. I am a, I'm from Alabama. I'm a coward. I can't, you know, I see these painters that work in the snow. Do you know, um, the painter, Rachel Personette? No, maybe that's another one that I'm going to get from the podcast. She's so hardcore and I forgetting a couple names, but these people that just go out in deep snow and they just suit up and it, that is like, so well, you not, mentioned Beth Ann Moran Hanslet, like that woman is hard. Yeah, She's another, she's yeah. just so what super. like, um, yeah, that's not me. If it's like below, I mean, 40 degrees is like my absolute like bottom limit for, that's how for I am. you know, cold. Yeah, I can't do it. So um, I actually kind of ran into a dilemma with that a few years ago when I started painting plein air and um, the winter months came and I set up, um, you know, it was that first year that I was doing plein air and that winter I tried to set up like traditional still lives in the studio again. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to paint fruit or I'm going to paint the fabric again. And I just lost interest in it real fast. Oh, bummer. And I was thinking, okay. Yeah, it's like, how am I going to bring that, that freshness and that experience of plein air painting inside? And I've been eyeing my um, compost bucket in our kitchen. We keep like a little compost bucket of kitchen scraps and it always like it inevitably overflows into like multiple bowls on the counter. And they're just beautiful. Um, these kind of just like, do you have paintings of these on the website? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, it's under the still life okay. tab up at the top. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, oh, so that what this is? So like that, yeah, that one on the upper left. Yeah. And... These are amazing. That's what these are is compost exactly. buckets. No kidding. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, oh man, there it is. Like, I'll, I'm just going to take that in the studio and paint it. So like the first ones I did, like that one on the upper left and then that one with the lemon, the left of that. that upper one that left. You're... This one here? Like, yeah, those. So um, I just like put the full buckets of scraps on my still life table and just started painting. And of course, over time, you know, over the course of, you know, a few days or a week or however long it took to paint these, that stuff starts to decompose and it starts to um, kind of wilt. And so, you know, I'd be painting like a single banana peel like five times. And, you know, if you look closely, you can kind of see those layers um, of observation mm -hmm. there. Um, and then that one in the middle, the one that's kind of like a bouquet of scraps. That was my favorite. That one was oh, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. That one was like more of a, um, like a, it was a more planned composition. So I set up the bowl and I knew that every day I was going to put another, you know, whatever scraps we had for the day, I was going to paint them. So I painted the bowl. I put a, our scraps in, painted that, put another layer of scraps on top, painted that. And so as, as the, um, you know, as the painting progressed, I was painting like kind of the growth 
of the subject. Oh, no and then kidding. Also, it was kind of like this breathing. It became this kind of like living, breathing thing. And I was like, okay, I found like one way of, you know, bringing that, that kind of plein air experience into the studio, that unpredictability of that experience. Oh my gosh. That's a brilliant process because one of the things that I, let me see, can we zoom in on this? Yeah. One of the things that I was observing and absolutely love about this is how you've got this kind of dry brushing going on and you had painted underneath it first. And I'm like, how, what has she got? Some sort of like x-ray vision or something? Like, so now it makes perfect sense. <laughs> you know, you got like this lemon over top of another thing that you'd already painted. And I'm, and I'm just trying to imagine how you did it. And it's just, it's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. It was just oh, it was so much fun. That was so much fun to do. Um, and that really kept me busy during like, I think this painting took like, you know, it was like a few weeks or almost a month or something. And yeah, so those scraps got pretty mangy by the end. But um, hmm. yeah, that was such a fun project. Yeah, that's gorgeous. So is that something you'll try and do again in the future? A similar concept it's, i'm i'm hoping to do that again this winter yeah i think that might kind of be my go-to at least for now when we get to those cold months definitely want to give that another shot that's, and that's it, not done being explored yet yeah and it seems like you're also doing other still life um in the cold months obviously that's what we yeah there were a here. couple there were a couple I did, um, but yeah, I think those those compost paintings were by far the most um, exciting to me. Yeah, is this one? Is this one up here? Is this also one of those layered ones? It doesn't seem as much so. Not as much. That's just like the actual um, stuff in the bowl didn't change over or wasn't added to. That's right. just like the same matter that was yeah painted over a few days so you see a little bit of yeah that that kind of change and decay but yeah it's not as as dramatic and i don't mm -hmm. see scale on these so about what size is this painting that one's like 12 i think that one's like 12 by 12 inches okay. so most of these paintings are pretty you know they're pretty small in scale i think that one was like two by two feet something like that oh, that's a great size hmm hmm and where can people see these paintings? Where are they hanging? Um, I think, let's see, most of them are in private collections at this point. Well, not literally um, these paintings, but where can people see your paintings? I mean, do you, are you with a gallery right now? Is there someplace besides you know, the internet? I have, I have some pieces at um, Stanek Gallery in Philadelphia. I mean, I do have some work online through those galleries and I'm trying to remember if they actually have any of my physical work left in the gallery. Um, Collins Galleries in Cape Cod. I know they have a few of the physical paintings um, and I think that's it for now. Okay, um, so how, did, how, how are you making your living? Are you selling mostly online then? Yeah, I sell almost everything directly through Instagram. Through Instagram. Okay, you're another one that does that. Instagram. You're kidding yeah, me. Yeah, direct messages on Instagram. So that started with, are you familiar with that like artist support pledge no. thing that was going on for a while? It was like a, it was like a pandemic project to support artists, you know, during a tough time. And mm -hmm. if you like sold five, 
they were like 200 bucks. If you sold five, then you'd buy a painting. Um, and that's kind of how I got momentum going. And I, I put my work up there. I, I joined Instagram almost like entirely to do that project. And I put my work up there and the stuff sold and I was amazed. <laughs> and then I just like kept that momentum going. And that's what I still do. I still work um, directly wow. to Instagram for the most part. So peep, so you post it, do you label it for sale? I do. I just write on there, you know, available and message me. And it's all through direct, like direct messaging and PayPal. That is amazing. That's so great. And so you're not having to pay any like, commissions I, to galleries or anything. Right. Not in that <laughs> oh, man, case. Galleries gotta yeah. be, gotta be getting nervous these days. I swear. Yeah, I, I, I know for a fact they are, I won't, I won't mention names, but I've talked to a director or two and, you know, they see their writing on the wall with us a little bit and they're like, you know, we've got to make ourselves relevant when you have a platform like Instagram where you can kind of like cut out the middleman. I better watch what I'm saying, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm not currently with a gallery and haven't been for 14 years, but I also don't make my living on Instagram. Um, it's just word of mouth, but I, um, I think it's a great thing because frankly, when I was with galleries, I felt like they, half the time they weren't earning their 50%. It was like, what are you even doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think most really don't like they, if they're going to take that cut that, you know, they really need to be working for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's great. I mean, maybe maybe Very it'll happy. motivate galleries to work harder for artists and earn the money that they expect to get. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm, you know, I'm very pleased with the galleries that I'm working with now. All the directors are super down to earth and um, really nice folks. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's kind of a danger zone for <laughs> yeah. the whole world. Yeah, so. that's great. Um, so what's next for you with your art? Do you have um, plans for the future? Or are you just going to keep going down this and, and kind of riding this wave? Right now, I don't know. I'm still excited about um, this body of work. And, you know, I think I'll probably play with scale a little bit and just some like formal things keep playing. Um, I've got my garden going for the summer. My seedlings are ready to almost ready to put out in the beds and, um, you know, I think that's going to be a good material source of material for the summer. Hmm. But yeah, I'm really fascinated right now with this idea of perception and playing with perception and, and artists who, um, you know, deal with those themes in their work, like show almost have like kind of a cubist sensibility in the way they, um, show their subjects, whether it's from, you know, multiple angles or there's an element of time in their work, or um, I'm also looking at, you know, just surface um, and just trying to find out again, just finding that like language of painting just through trial and error and looking at people I admire. So, um, yeah. Okay, so I have a question for you, because I'm always thinking, I don't know if you know much about what I waste my time doing, and that's building things. I love engineering and oh, building stuff. Are you stuff. talking about that pencil sharpener? The, the, okay. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to bring that up, but that's one of them. <laughs> I saw your studio page, and I am, I mean, your paintings are phenomenal, but I am also very, very excited about the things that you build. I love building <laughs> anyway, stuff. 
Yeah. But I think you've got this property up in North Carolina, right? You said North Carolina, right? Okay. You've got this property up there. Have you thought about building a big, beautiful greenhouse? You could be in there all winter long. I would love to build a big, beautiful greenhouse. I mean, my my studio, you can't see it now, but it semi-functions as a greenhouse at this point. There's a lot of actually Southern light, which is not our, uh, you know ideal for paint. I don't paint inside anyway. But yeah. Um, not ideal for painting, but fabulous for plant growing. So I have a grouping of plants over here on my see. Um, but yeah, yes, if you want to come build a greenhouse. Oh, man, I would kill to have property <laughs> like that and do something like that. And my wife's a gardener, too, so she'd be, she'd oh, be thrilled. Wonderful. Yeah, she loved. We have this great garden in the front yard, which is also on that page, oh. by the way, I think. So you could check that out, Jeff Hines Studio. Oh, but, I will, I will. Yeah. but she's, yeah, she loves it. And I have, I had this dream because I own a studio downtown Salt Lake and I had this dream of building several stories on top of it, but the top story being a greenhouse because oh, awesome. did you, are you familiar with the tradition in the 19th century where artists would build greenhouses, but not even for plants, just so that they could paint all year round and have that beautiful overcast lighting that you cannot replicate in the studio no I didn't oh my know gosh yeah that. i mean if you look at 19th century paintings <laughs> many of them have this unbelievably soft lighting that is not from a window it's not from obviously a soft box the only way to get it is cloudy day and um and so what a lot of artists would do, not a lot, a few artists did in the 19th century is they'd build these greenhouses and they would have a model inside the greenhouse and they could paint all year round and have the model oh or gosh, subject are inside there, there. Are there any specific names of, no, I, that see, you can see, think of? No, no, there's, yes, there are, but I'm an idiot. So oh, I don't I'll, remember I'll them. Google. Yeah, Google it. The, I don't remember them because this, this is, my memory is terrible with names. That, and I don't know if I ever oh, even read you. the names. I was so interested in the greenhouse. I probably didn't even read the name. I'm like, you did what? Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. But I have seen old pictures, these old black and white pictures of artists working in these greenhouses and there's no plants in them. They're just inside these greenhouses painting with this beautiful overcast light. So I just, you know, something I've thought about doing, but I have no property in Salt Lake City. So I thought you live in North Carolina and you have property. It's an amazing. Well, we've only been here like you know, five years. So who knows? Who knows what we could get into, you know, Heck if, yeah. we, if we stick around. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Okay, so I've got one final question for you before we finish up here. And that's the same thing I ask everybody. And that is, what is one piece of advice that you would give aspiring artists that want to become painters like yourself? Yeah, I think um, it's going to be very similar to what I said earlier. Okay. For my, you know, advice I give to my students, just keep making things. Um, it doesn't have to be great. You don't even have to think too hard about it. Just make things. Again, so many people just don't put in the time and they have so much talent and then they just don't continue. So it's simple as that for me. Well, that's great <laughs> advice. Well, Christina Weaver, it was awesome to have you on the podcast. It was a great conversation and I love your work and hope to meet you Thanks someday so in person. Thanks for tuning in to the Undraped Artist Podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. And if you could, leave a comment or review. That really helps the channel. Please share the show with your friends. And if you're feeling generous, consider a monthly donation at theundrapedartist.com. Thanks again for watching. 
We'll see you next week.